to a team, uh, the, you have different systems, different moves. So it does take maybe a game to 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 get back into it. So hopefully that the whole combinations uh, within the backs will will work better this weekend. And you know he's he's an important player, uh, as you rightly say, both to to Connacht and to Ireland and let's hope he keeps injury free and that he can keep on the field as well so it's um, you know it's very important to have Bundy playing at, at, at the top level because he he does he does have that extra factor uh, to to give to a team that's it well listen thanks very much for taking the time out to rugby view with us and we look forward to talking to you again next week Thank you very much, Aidan. No problem. Thanks very much. And that's uh, Adrian Leddy from Craig's Rugby Club. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's um, Castle Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And of course, as always, we have uh, we have player and coach Thomas O'Callaghan. Hello, Thomas. How are you? Are you well? I'm good, Aidan. Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to uh, catching you up on all the basketball activities in Castle over the last few weeks. That's it, that's it. And uh, um, have, have we some good news to report on with, with regards to the, the men's team this week? Uh, I'm afraid not. We had a a, a thriller down in Castlereagh, down in the hub uh, last weekend. Um, Sligo Allstars came down to us, their LLR team. And um, we went overtime with them and we ended up losing out by two points. So, um, you know, by uh, everybody else's... Uh, as far as everybody else was concerned, it was a thriller. You know, everybody was enjoyed their evening down there, their evening's entertainment. But obviously, we were disappointed to uh, have left the game behind us. Um, it was very competitive. Um, we felt like we hit the ground running. Um, and we had an eight-point lead at the end of the third quarter going into the fourth. Uh, and they just, like, eight points is nothing really in basketball. So Sligo just stuck at it and kept pushing inside. And um, they put a run together. And then... The leads just kept swapping down the stretch and I think the nerves kicked in. I think the score was like um, 65, 64 or something like that for three minutes going down the stretch. Um, three of the last five minutes, nobody scored. I think people were nearly um, anxious about shooting or on both sides and then ended up going to overtime. Um, uh, they scored, they tied it up with about three seconds to go at the end of the fourth. And driving inside on a tough mid-range shot, and um, then in overtime, the again the leads just kept swapping. They ended up going up by two points, and we just couldn't find the um, the basket to tie it up ourselves. So um, it was a very. Um, I think we might have overlooked them a bit. Um, we played them in a friendly uh, before the season started, and um, they were kind of young, and I, we felt we might have the physicality on them. But they landed down and they had recruited a few new players. So um, a few big lads, Adrian Frayn was there. I think some of the Castlery contingent below Adrian, he was on. Um, he was teaching up in school last year. You know, he was a colleague of mine. So um, And he's big, strong, and they had one or two other lads who um, just beefed them up a bit physically. So uh, they were a match for us. And, you know, when it came down to it, it was the game could have gone either way. Like two-point game is... Uh, it's a matter of inches, you know, centimetres, a shot falling here, um, a ball going out over a line to give the other team possession, you know, things like that. So um, we can't be too hard on ourselves, you know, when it comes down to that, there's not much you can say you could have done better or you could have done worse, you know, when the game could go either way like that. So um, we're in a tough one now. We've lost 
um, every game we've played. But I think every game we've played, there's been moments where the game could have swung in our direction. And we just have to keep plowing on and trusting that um, the wins will come. Because a lot of our performances are winning performances. You know, um, if, yeah. if, if we were to play Sligo again um, the following night, uh, it could have gone our way, you know. And you could say the same for the Athlone game. Uh, the Ballina game, the Donegal game, Castlebar, the margin was a bit bigger, but at the same time, we were within single digits um, uh, for a lot of the late portion of that game. So um, so we're in a tough spot at the moment. I think it's kind of tough on the heads, tough on, you know, the especially these winter nights now, we have a few away games coming up um, where you just have to kind of put the head down, make the trip and try and hit the ground running in them. Um so hopefully, you know, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. We're doing a lot of good things. Um, our fight is good. Our rebounding is better. Um, a lot of our offense was better. Um, but it's just that results aren't going our way. So um, we have Carrick and Shannon, Carrick Cougars and Mohill Mavericks before the Christmas. So we're just going to crack into them. Same attitude, same values, working hard on defense, get out in the fast break. Um, try and find good shots and work as hard as we can and hopefully those results will come back our way Do you think that maybe you know over some of those games that maybe it was uh, you know that not that killer instinct but uh, the you know that that thing that you know putting the, putting the team away when you're in, when you're in the lead but I suppose it depends on what stage of the game you're in the lead and uh, just kind of keeping that, that just keeping in touch well not keeping in touch but uh you know, keeping keeping the league going throughout the game. Do you think is that is that um, is that maybe what needs to improve uh, to be improved on? Or yeah, I suppose you could call it that killer instinct to be able to put the opposition away uh, when you when you have the I suppose put your put your foot on the on the on the neck of the opponents and, and keep it that way. Yeah, definitely. I think basketball. Um, anyone who plays basketball knows that any close game or any game of runs. You know, so. If you go down, if you go down twelve points, you know you just come back to your team and say, okay, it's one run, you know, of maybe three, four baskets in a row without the other team scoring, and you're back in it. So I feel like, yeah, there's a trend kind of emerging where, uh, whether we have the lead by eight, nine, ten points, or whether we're behind by eight, nine, ten points in that late third quarter or early fourth quarter, um, it's always the other team so far this year who have made the run. You know, in that, and that's a key moment of the game. You know, um, obviously, if it's close coming down the stretch, every moment is key. But in that late third quarter, start of the fourth quarter is when you know if one team pulls away, you know there's not much time left to make your own run back at them. So, um, yeah, and in each of our games, you know that's just been the we've dropped the ball a bit in those moments. Um, and you know, with these plays, there's been a lot of just. Um, momentum plays in basketball like maybe the other team scores with a foul or the other team scores back-to-back threes or the other team gets an offensive rebound and puts it back just these little things that build momentum and they're things the bench can shout about you know and maybe these yeah. things just in the at that moment in that time period of the game has been happening for the other team whereas we always have seemed to start strong uh, maybe not against Castlebar but in every other game we've kind of come out strong and we'll be our energy will be up at the start of the game um, and we'll have all these good things happening for us early on and then just it maybe won't happen late in the game but um, maybe it's a question of fitness maybe it's you could put your finger on you could point your finger to a lot of things but I will say 
and having spoken with the lads we were training last night, um, it's just, you know, we kind of all recognise we're doing a lot of good things. And yeah. like I said, a lot of these performances on another night are winning performances. So, um, you know, you can point your finger at a lot of things, but I don't think we're going to panic just yet. We're not going to drastically change up what we've been doing because, um, like I said, we believe in what we're doing and we also are kind of knowledgeable enough and have enough basketball experience to know uh, if we keep ploughing away like we have been, you know, results will come our way. And, of course, I suppose, you know, when you when you get into that lead, no matter what stage of the game uh, you, you go into lead, it's kind of hitting that balance between, yeah, you know, you want to push you want to push on and you want to put them away by scoring more. But then, you know, sometimes in doing that, if you're going all out, sometimes you can leave, you can leave yourself exposed in defence and, and leave yourself open to conceding things. So it's about getting that balance right, isn't it, really? But also, like, you know, when you do go in the lead, what sort of tactics... Um, could you adapt to kind of try and keep them at bay or is Rantany can do because it is it like I said there it is hitting that fine balance between you know de- defending what you have but also kind of scoring more points and more points just to just to put some daylight between yourself and the opposition uh, yeah I suppose we could definitely do a better job um, I know Sligo the last night switched to his own in the uh, second half and also with the lead, I think we could have done a better job moving the ball. You know, there's a 24-second shot clock. So, um, you know, ideally you want, especially when you're up, you want to milk that clock um, and, you know, just run the time. Because over the game then, they have less time, uh, you know, on the balance of the clock yeah. to score. So I think we could have done a better job getting more passes maybe. A lot of the time we came down. Um, and against the zone defense, you want to move it up down towards the basket, back out toward the edge of the three-point line, one to one sideline to the other, get to one corner, get to the other, because that will really stretch out the defense and make them work hard. So a lot of positives come from that. You'll get driving lanes. um, You'll get gaps in the defense. You might get open threes. um, And also it drains the life out of the defense. You know, if they're moving for 24 seconds on a defense and working hard, because defense is hard work, and then... Even if we don't score at the end of that possession, they have to come down and try and score on us after like working as hard as they can for that 24 seconds. So I feel like against Sligo, there was a few possessions in that um, second half where down looked inside um, and maybe took the shot too early. or We got a pretty good shot early in the offense, which was okay to take, but then just keeping the heads and maybe a bit of game management to say, okay, I have a good shot here, um, but can we, maybe it's more worth our while kicking it or getting it inside here and maybe moving it around for 10 more seconds. And even if we don't get a better shot, at least we've worked the defense and we've maybe played into our hands a bit in the long run, you know. So I think we definitely could do that a little bit better. Uh, But then again, you have to get the balance of, I don't think we took any bad shots the last night, but... It's just your game management is, um, you know, you want boys taking shots. And even I took a few early ones, pulling up for three early when they were coming back, maybe a bit, um, was maybe a bit of rush of blood to the head. But, um, yeah, I feel like we could all maybe just take a second in those moments and be like, okay, let's this offense, let's 
wait for maybe until there's five, six seconds left until we look for a shot, just so we kind of, like you said, um, play with a bit of strategy um, to maybe keep the lead or kill the game off. That's it, because, I mean, like, you're doing a lot of things well, and it's just those little, it seems to be like one of the, one or two little things could be the, could be the answer to, you know, maybe, you know, winning or losing a game, or it could be the one that could define, right, this, this is how we can keep the leads and, uh, you know, going forward. But I, I suppose, you see, the, the good thing, I suppose, in a way, you know, you either win or you, 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 uh, you, you learn is you, you, you learn a lot, even though you, you lost those, those games, you, you lost a lot, a lot, or you learned a lot from them. And, uh, you seem to be working on them and, uh, seem to be improving. But I suppose, you know, that, that's the kind of good thing because, like, I suppose it's coming up to, to Christmas now. Maybe the second half of the, second half of the season could be, could be year, could be year period or year purple patch. Uh, yeah, well, at least we'll hope so. You know, we're in a battle now already to try and qualify for the top four. Um, I know it's a bit uh, um, humbling to kind of concede the league um, title or concede that like we're probably not going to be in a title run for the league this year because you know the the teams we've lost to um, and being in a five game hole I suppose you know it kind of leaves us in a battle for the top four Um, so we'll concentrate on that and just you know um, setting targets now for the end of the season I don't think it's really productive rather than just focusing on the next one and getting through and grinding out a few results and then if we get momentum on our side then we can maybe focus on um, resetting a few goals and seeing where we're at Um, second half of the season yeah um, we'll hopefully have a few wins by the time we go into that second um, sort of set of fixtures you play everybody twice so we have still three rounds of the first set of fixtures so we've um, Mohill We've Carrick this weekend, then we've Mohill, and then we've Longford in January um, in our first game, and that'll be the end of that first half of the season um, in terms of the fixtures. So um, hopefully we'll have a few wins out of those games and go in to the second half of the season, like you said, with a bit of momentum um, because you know it just starts all over again where the, those first four games of the second half of the season, they're going to be against the toughest opposition, you know, against Ballina against Donegal, Athlone and Castlebar. So we need a bit of momentum going into that. Um, and, you know, if we can get, if we can build up that momentum, I think we definitely have the beating of those teams. Um, but like we talked about, we need to focus on the next one, you know, and then once that's done, focus on the next one. Because, um, again, you can't be looking too far ahead when you've had the results we've had. That's it, but I suppose really in the second half of the season you'll have the benefit of already having played some of those teams, so you'll kind of know what to expect and you'll be able to plan, um, you know, I suppose tactically and I suppose personnel-wise and in other in, in other ways as regards to how to handle them. Um, you, you'll be able to put things right against against those teams. You, you may be able to uh, plan differently for those teams. But I suppose moving on to uh, the ladies' team, what's the list from the ladies' team? Uh, yeah, so we haven't had a game for a week and a bit now. We played. We went out to play Longford away, um, and there was a bit of confusion with the refs. So we ended up. It was supposed to be a league game, but we ended up just playing it as a friendly. So um, a bit disappointed with that, but. Um, I'm very happy with the performance um, you know after it was kind of we landed down and it was decided oh we'll have to just play it as friendly like 
our girls could have just decided, oh, the hell with it, let's just not take it serious or let's just take it easy for the night. But they didn't, you know, show their character again. Um, they had a rough start, you know, again on the road. It's our third game and uh, second away game. And again, we kind of started off sluggish. Um, Longford were getting a few easy shots where they wanted to shoot from in that mid-range area. And they actually came out. They, I think they had a double-digit lead at one stage, or I think it was 11-2 anyway at the most. Um, so again, so a sloppy, a bit of confusion, not playing a league game. And then a sloppy start. So, again, very easy for us to have just rolled over and said, oh, I'll leave it for tonight. But um, we didn't. We got it together. Um, Sarah Tyrrell came in um, for her debut, and she was excellent. You know, she played against us last year for Boyle and uh, dominated the paint, and it was the same in this one. But not only in the paint, she was up and down on the fast break. Um, it's fantastic for us to have, um, when we have everybody, especially those post players that not only are they the tallest and biggest targets under the basket, they're the fastest or they're the first down the floor for the fast break. So it's very easy for our guards just to look up, see the outlet and uh, put it on a plate for them to make layups. Um, and she was complimented inside by um, the ever-impressive Lisa O'Rourke, who uh, straight away, the girls had never played together before. Um, I'm not sure how familiar they are with each other, but uh, they complimented each other so well. It was... Um, Whenever Sarah got the ball, Lisa was on the cut, and vice versa. Um, so they were very, they very much imposed themselves inside. I would say the Longford team—they're a very young team. Um, I think they're in the league, obviously to compete. They're very competitive, um, and obviously their start against us was showed that they're not to be overlooked. Um, but I feel like just their physicality and maybe seniority um, was kind of the difference in this one, as we stretched out to a really um, big lead. Um, so I was happy, you know, and I, with all that dominance inside, we did get a healthy amount of outside shots up. You know, we're a very strong shooting team. Um, Katie Murphy hit some outside shots. Kalise Curran came on, hit some. And then Danica Lavin and um, Sandra Kane hit their share of outside outside shots as well. So I um, was very happy with that, uh, especially with Sarah in her first game, um, playing with kind of Castle Regals. You know, she trusted them. And rather than, you know, maybe forcing a shot over a few defenders inside, she trusted, okay, I have two defenders on me, let's kick it out, and somebody will lock down a shot. And that happened. So we ended up stretching out to a really big lead. We put up 80 points or that, so I was very happy with that output. And hopefully we can bring that momentum um, and that score and rhythm into the next game. Uh, we played Sligo this Monday, so Sligo away. Um, they're undefeated all last year in the League and Cup, won everything last year, and they're going strong again this year. So um, um, I know last year we didn't really feel like we were a match for them, and our game against our games against them we approached with kind of, okay, let's just compete as well as we can and take each possession at a time and learn from it. But I feel like this year we definitely have it, have the personnel to put it up to them, and um, hopefully like we can go down here and make a statement, you know, I think it'll be good for the league for them to get bet um, at last. So I think we have the personnel and the hunger. Uh, I think we have the defence. And if the score and output and their shots fall like they did against Longford and they did against Drumlish, um, hopefully we can put it up to them. But like I said, it's going to take everything. It's going to take a few bounces our way. We're going to need a bit of luck because Sligo are very polished. Um, well-coached, um, well-drilled team. They're not going to have any weakness or passengers. So we need everything to go our way. We'll need um, 
probably our best performance of the season and I know it's only early but it is the undefeated champions away on a Monday night so um, yeah we're, we feel we, we're going to back ourselves we're definitely not going to go down there with any fear because I think we believe uh, we have a squad here that's capable of uh, really making a push in this league so um, yeah hopefully we have our um, we find our touch early and find a rhythm and hit the ground running and um hopefully we can uh, get that statement win against Sligo. And hopefully there won't be any confusion over referees this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, you, can't, um, you know, it's, it's bad enough travelling down to these places besides, you know, yeah. then turning around. But, uh, no, no, um, we have great reps in the league and, uh, you know, um, you know, Sligo will be organised and, uh, you know, we'll hopefully have a competitive, uh, significant game for the league. That's it, and uh, I suppose moving on as well to the the under sixteen boys. And is there anything to report on the, the colleges front? Um, yeah, so we had um, since I talked to you last, they won a regional semi final. Um, yeah. They had an easy enough win against Carrow. They came down and played us in the home in Castlery, which was in prepared well as always for schools games and club games. So um, yeah, they played very well in that. Jamie Dowd was excellent attacking the baseline. Kevin Hester was great. They played a, a tough man-to-man, so I think they were a bit too close to us, and we were um, our scores were just able to drive right by them and get to the basket for um, good luck. So I think we won by 21 points in the end, so it was a solid win. A lot of the guys who might not get as much minutes got in for a good run, so we were very happy with that. Um, then the boys went and played a club match on Saturday in Longford, and Longford are a very strong side at underage. They have a very established club, um, and they beat the lads by 16. Now, I wasn't down there, but Joe Henry is coaching the lads, and he said um, there, was few, uh, there was a lot of missed scoring opportunities. I think they held Longford to one point in the first quarter, but just couldn't capitalise on the other side, where I think we were low scoring in the first quarter as well. So, um, But he was happy with them after that game. You know, he, uh, uh, by all reports, Longford were very impressed with our lads, you know, um, it's our first underage team in competition so um, I think the lads have prepared and they have enough quality to definitely go places and surprise a few people with um, how good they are um, and Joe said you know while Longford are very strong physically they were generally they were taller than ours and kind of bigger stronger longer um, you know he said he on another day we might have beaten them so um, he was happy enough with the result um, it was fair enough he in his eyes, and but he was still happy with the way our lads um, presented themselves and competed against a team that's so established in that underage league. Um, and then finally, the lads went on to their regional final um, uh, after qualifying in that first game I talked about, um, and they were playing Merlin College. Now, there was a bit of bite in it. Um, our lads beat Merlin in the first round of the National Cup uh, earlier in the year. We beat them by four points. So Merlin were coming back out for revenge and ultimately they got it because the lads, they just didn't hit the ground running. Uh, I feel like it might have been a lot of basketball to play Thursday, Saturday and then Monday. So the timing might have been a bit wrong. Just didn't hit the ground running and Merlin had one very impressive, impressive player. I didn't get a name. He was number three, but he was he was tall. He was about 6'3", at under 16 and he, was, and he wasn't just a big guy inside. He was on the perimeter crossing over Euro steps, shimmying and getting to the basket. So 
Um, we had a very tough time stopping him. And they had another guy who was taller again. Now, he was more of an inside guy who just gobbled up rebounds. And we our lads just couldn't get up to block him on any shots he took. So it was very difficult to compete with that. Now, I would say we did beat them the first day. We played very smart and got them in foul trouble and got under their skin a bit. But I think Merlin were guarded against um, that side of it coming into this one. Um, we went down early by about 10, 15 points. At one stage, we had it back to four. Um, Jamie Dowd was exceptional. He put on such a brave display. He was putting his body on the line. He took three charges, which is when the offensive player is coming down out of control with the ball and you just have to stand there take advantage of it and if he bumps into you and goes through the position you have um, the foul will go against him and you'll get the ball back going the other way um, now it takes a lot of courage because you are getting just ran through but Jamie took three of them against their big guys and um, you know he really got with those plays whatever about scoring with those plays he kind of got us lifted and got us on the comeback trail but um, in the end I think a few just we just didn't find our rhythm offensively. I think the ball movement was a bit static. Um, lads that usually get open shots weren't just getting the ball quick enough. And um, with Merlin's length on their defense, they were able to get a, a lot of steals and blocks. So um, it was a tough one for the lads to take. Um, but having talked about it with a few of them, I think the timing is right to, uh, to take a baiting because I think things were going very well. And now we've kind of been humbled. So we go into, an all, they play a club game this Thursday night um, against Carrick. And then Thursday week is the big one. They play an All-Ireland semi-final up in the arena in Tala. So I think even though they did lose this regional final, um, we've bigger fish to fry. And hopefully um, we won't be overconfident now going into it. Um, we play Squell Katrina. They're from Dublin. Um, and we don't know much about them, but... Uh, from their score lines, um, I think we can uh, go in with our heads up and um, and hopefully if we perform to our best, the boys will come out with a win. So that's Thursday week, December the 8th. So it's a fixture to keep your eye out for. And then um, hopefully we can uh, look forward to a final after that one. That's it. Well, listen, I'd like to, to, I'd like to wish uh, all the teams in Castlery Cavaliers Basketball Club all the best and, of course, Castlery Community College all the best in their games as well. And uh, hopefully hopefully that elusive win won't be too far away for you, Thomas. So, listen, thanks very much. Um, before we go, I suppose we might as well give your mention to your sponsors as well. Yeah, again, just quick. Um, club can't operate without a few um, sponsors. You know, the sport is so important so I'd like to thank our kit sponsors Hermac Medical and Cattle Super Value and our warm up gear sponsors are Bastion Kitchen um, on Patrick Street and Mike Callahan Construction um, I'd like to thank um, very supporters of us uh, last year and this year so glad to have them back on board um, so very grateful to McGorty's Bar on Main Street there as well um, thanks to Amigo International the transport company out in um, Balala. Um, gave us a few pounds as well got seen our, what we were up to and got in contact and got on board with a bit of sponsorship so um, a lot of thanks to them great to have new sponsors coming on board so we really appreciate that and Whispy's discount store finally on Patrick Street you know they've employed a lot of us in the past still employ some of the players that play for the club at the moment so always great to have Whispy's on board and long may it continue and hopefully and we'd actually just wish all our um, sponsors all the best over the busy 
uh, weeks leading up to Christmas. So thanks a million to you all. No problem. Well, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to to do and Catherine Cavaliers uh, basketball po- podcast, and we look forward to looking back at the games next week. All right, thanks, Midland. We'll uh, chat next week. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Thomas Callahan, the uh, player coach at Castlereagh Cavaliers Basketball Club. Hello, everyone. How you doing? You're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and the show is, as always, kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. Well, we all, we, as always, we like to bring you some uh, positive interviews, and uh, we, he's a guy that we've had on, on the show before, uh, maybe a year or so ago, and his name is Wesley O'Brien. Hello, Wesley. How are you? Are you well? Hello, Aidan. How are you keeping? Not too bad. Not too bad. Good to hear. And, uh, yeah, you're a guy, as I said there, we had you on there before, and you're, you're doing uh, lots of brilliant uh, lots of brilliant tennis camps uh, across Europe and, and, and around Ireland. But this is a unique one. Your, your, latest, uh, your latest camp is for uh, people or kids with, 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 uh, that are blind. Could you tell us a bit about the, the idea behind that and how that's going for you? Um, yes, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, blind tennis and visually impaired tennis, it's, it's only recently become a thing um, kind of in Ireland, a program. It's only really been in Ireland since 2017. Um, and it's kind of new to Europe as a whole. Um, it kind of began in, in Japan, actually, in 1984 um, by a guy called Mr. Miyoshi Takai. Um, so it's been going strong in Japan for about 30 years, um, it, since 1984. And the guy in question, actually, he, he was a totally blind person. Um, but he was always interested in sports. Yeah. Um, and obviously, for obvious reasons, he kind of felt he couldn't, you know, play the regular form of, you know, of tennis. And then he found out that there was no way of, of playing tennis for, you know, if you're visually impaired or blind. So he kind of went about the idea of putting a bell inside in a foam ball and just starting from there. And so it's all based on kind of the sound of the ball and, uh, you know, hearing the ball and tracking the ball is a big part of it. That's great, and uh, that, that, that's a, a very clever idea. And I suppose a lot of people would be wondering how, how do they get the, the bell into the ball, but obviously that's part of it when, when uh, the ball is being manufactured because this is a special ball, especially for blind tennis. Yeah, yes, it's actually, it's, it's made of foam. Um, it's, I suppose, I mean, if you've ever seen one of the children's slitters, you know, they're quite yeah. big, you know, when you start off playing, it's roughly about that size. And um, it's a foam ball with a little ping pong ball inside and then ball bearings inside in the ping pong ball. So it's kind of designed out of foam. So kind of the harder you hit it, it actually slows down a little bit, you know, there's not much weight to the ball where, 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 where it would kind of keep on going. Um, so especially designed um, for kind of each category, I suppose, yeah. And I suppose for, for you yourself, as a, do, doing a, being a tennis coach and all that, uh, was there any additional training you had to do for this on, on how to train others or how to, uh, I suppose, do a tennis camp for, for partially blind or fully blind people? Um, not really so much. Um, it it kind of started for me, you know, early on, like I said, in around 2017. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a tennis coaching conference in Bulgaria. And, of course, I'd never heard of visually impaired or blind tennis before, but there was two Spanish guys um, out in the court, and they were giving a demonstration on, on blind and visually impaired tennis. Um, so I really got interested from there, and I spoke to the guys in question, um, at the conference and 
when I came back then, I, I found out that there was only really uh, two little hubs that were doing it in Ireland at the time, um, which was Belfast and Shankill in Dublin. So I reached out to the people in Shankill in Dublin and I expressed my interest. Um, so I kind of was traveling up and down to Dublin and it was kind of getting hands-on experience. There was no real training you know, involved. It was just getting involved straight out in court with the players. Um, you know, it's all got to do with patience and, you know, enthusiasm. Um, and a lot of that time, like I said, there was two hubs, one in Shankill and one in Belfast. So, you know, at the time I got involved, they were preparing for the second ever World Championships and they were trying to put together an Irish team from Shankill and Belfast. So I kind of got involved with the Irish team through that as well. Um, so it kind of carried on from there. It was just it was just kind of hands-on experience. And uh, just to let the listeners know that, uh, you know, that maybe haven't heard the last interview that we did with you, just to tell them a bit of background about yourself as well before we, we go on. Um, yeah, I, I am, I've been a tennis coach down here in Killaloo in County Clare um, for the last eight years. And it's really in the last four or five years now that I've kind of found other avenues of tennis to kind of get involved with. Um, and one of those, apart from the visually impaired and the blind tennis, is that um, since 2018, I started an initiative called Hit and Hope Tennis, where I would um, travel to different refugee camps around Europe, and I'd bring all the tennis gear with me and the rackets and the balls, and I would basically do kind of a tennis camp or a workshop with the kids in the camp or the adults for about for a week or 10 days, um, and then with the goal being of when I leave the camp, when it's time to come home, I would leave all the equipment with them um, as a gift so they can keep the program going. Um, so when I come back to Ireland, and it's always kind of generating new equipment and new tennis balls and all that. But, you know, I kind of didn't see, you know, you know I kind of didn't see the goodness in, you know, traveling all that way with the equipment and then bringing it back with me. So I just gifted, you know, to the camp and to the NGO to kind of keep it going and uh, of course that's, a, that's an invaluable gift for those kids and the, and the people of those those countries where you did the camp as well which which is great and I suppose you know um, now that you're involved with the visually impaired um, the Irish team for the uh, visually impaired tennis it must be an exciting it must be an exciting time for you to be involved in, in this Irish team and being uh, being one of the one of the coaches on board and I suppose playing your part in uh in in, hel- in helping visually impaired kids, kids or indeed, indeed adults, um, taking up a new skill in tennis because it is, um, it, it, it's not as easy maybe as people as people think. Uh, tennis in general, never mind uh, tennis for visually impaired and blind people. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've seen you know I've seen people come to the classes we beat in Shankill or in Killaloo here. Um, I have one lady in question now that's with me. Um, Ma- uh, Marguerite Quinn and she was uh, 2017 she was a prominent school teacher um, down here in Limerick uh, and one of the biggest pr- uh, one of the biggest primary schools in Limerick and unfortunately in 2017 she suffered a brain aneurysm oh dear and she collapsed yeah um, and you know it wasn't looking good I mean she told me herself she was on life support and you know she was in a bad position, but like she came through it. But there was a bleed. I thought there was a bleed in the brain, and like when they drained the blood, it had to go somewhere. So some of it went down into the cornea and into the eyes. So she would be visually impaired. 
Um, but like since she started tennis with me now last last January, you know, we've taken a trip to Poland to, to an international tournament in which she won the bronze medal. And she competed in the UK Championships there in, um, in November over in Wales. So, you know, it's kind of opened up a whole new life for her. You know, it's a whole new motivation for her now, you know. So it's, it's you know, it's fantastic. And, you know, you kind of get different, you know, like in regard to the visually impaired tennis, you would have different categories, like based on your sight level. So they would range from B1, B2, B3 and B4. So B1 tennis would be for people who are completely blind. So they would have no vision whatsoever. And the game is played like regular tennis, like regular scoring and all that. But they would have three bounces of the ball. Yeah. And B2s would have three bounces. Uh, B3s would have two bounces and B4s would have one bounce. So the higher the number you go, the more sight you would have. That's great, and uh, you know, I suppose it's uh, it's exciting for you as well to be part of this as well. And uh, is it you know f- for this? Is it still is it still open to to people, or has the squad um, for the tournament has it has it been picked yet, or what, what's the la- what's what, what's coming up in the next year or so? Well, like the like the main thing now is trying to grow as many um, hubs in Ireland as we can. You know, we have mm. one in Killaloo, we have one in Cork, we have one in Galway in Dublin, in May, so, you know, they're getting a bit more now, like, around the country, so it's kind of recruiting more players now at the moment. Um, like, the World Championships now are going to be in Birmingham um, mm. next August. Very and good. going to be, for the first time ever, they're going to be part of the International Blind Sports Games, so it's, going to, it's kind of going to be like an Olympic Games for visually impaired and blind sports. Um, but as of now, it's just you know, trying to grow it, and then you know, and, you know, as we come a bit closer now to kind of August, um, we we'll probably organise as many tournaments as we can and get more players involved, and then you know, see where we go from there. And of course, it's it's open to boys and girls of all ages, and from I suppose kids up up to adults as well. And uh, you know, if it's people who want to get involved, how how do they get involved? Or is there a number or a, a website that they can go on to uh, find out more information? Well, I think the best way of, of you know, learning more now is through Tennis Ireland's disability uh, programme, which is called the Enjoy Tennis Programme. And, you know, if you go onto their website, enjoytennis.com, or uh, .ie, I think, um, you'll find out information about all types of disability tennis, be it, dis- uh, uh, be it wheelchair tennis or visually impaired tennis or special needs tennis. You know, and it's all run through that. So, you know, they go online... Uh, enjoytennis.ie it's True Tennis Ireland and you'll find a contact name my name is probably there um, and it's just a case of reaching out to them and seeing um, like if your local club or where the nearest club is that's it and uh, of course uh, just to tell people about your, your own website or your own uh, Facebook page and if they want to, if they want to con- contact you for any further advice or, or things like that um, can you give them your, your um, Facebook page um, absolutely. Um, yeah, my own program that I said is called Hit and Hope. So H-I-T and Hope. Um, I have a Facebook page on there. Um, in, in January now, next year, January the 8th to the 16th, I'll be taking my, my seventh trip um, over to one of these camps. It's uh, near Cavalli camp in, in Tesnaliki in, in Greece and hopefully another camp in, in Serbia in April. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's hit and hope. 
so like check me out on the Facebook and feel free to reach out um, you know, please do. No problem. Well, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do the interview with us. We'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas to you and your family uh, and everyone involved. And of course, the Irish t- the partial, bl- partial site and uh, the fully, the blinded, uh, the Ireland team. And uh, of course, we'd like to wish you all the best for, for next year and in everything that you do. So, uh, we hope to contact we Hopefully, we'll, we'll keep in touch as well and uh, you can give us regular updates. Oh, please do, Aidan. And I just want to. And I just want to wish yourself and your listeners a very Merry Christmas as well, and thanks for having me on. No problem, thanks very much. And uh, that was Wesley O'Brien from Hidden Hope, and he's also involved in Parachute Sighted and Blind uh, blind Tennis. So thanks very much there, Wesley. And uh, so um, there you go. Thank you. Bye. Hello everyone, how are you doing? And you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Raftery, and the show is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. And uh, now we are going to be talking about all things uh, local GA, and uh, as always we have uh, we have former Roscommon goalkeeper Ray Lannan on the line. Hello Ray, how are you? Good Aidan, thanks very much. Hello. Great great to have you back, uh, it's, been, it's been a while there, but uh, I think we've both, we've both been busy and things like that, but there's been plenty of, there's been plenty going on on the, on the, G, the fields of... Uh, yeah, but I suppose we'll, we'll go through some local stuff as well. I suppose um, you know a, a, a man that we would we we know uh, very well, Lee McNeil. Uh, he got the the most all whites job there, uh, club in Westmead, a very good club. And uh, you know he's he's managed a few clubs, but uh, you know it's good to see him getting uh, getting this job as well. And uh, he can bring a lot to this job. Absolutely, and he's got a lot of experience. You know, he did a great job with Roscommon Gales. He got them to two county finals. You know, the last, yeah. in, in uh, 2017 and 2019, um, they lost, luckily, to Pierce's in, in 2019. And that was the star stud of Pierce's team at the time. And 2017 as well, they lost, I think, maybe, was it St. Bridget's? So, like, they weren't far away under him. Very unlucky. And the Gales, oh, I'd say now, over, like, Liam's era in charge was a very profitable era for the Gales. They were not far off it, you know. And uh, he did a really good job. And uh, he's got, he was a great player himself for, for Roscommon Gales in the forwards, half forward and midfield, a big, tall, strong man. And came from a, comes from a great uh, footballing uh, family, you know, his brother, Porrick, tremendous player for Roscommon over many, many years. And his late brother, Sean, was a wonderful player as well, if I'm not mistaken, played for Roscommon seniors as well. So it's, 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 he's Liam McNeil, a gentleman, Aidan, I've met him a few t- couple of times, and he's a, he's a gentleman, always wears a smile on his face and his heart on his sleeve. And I wish him the very, very best luck with um, Moat All Whites. Uh, that's the former club at Jerheven, isn't it? Of course, in me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but Liam, Liam deserves all the success, Aidan, and I think he's a really good manager and has done a great job. As said, with Roscommon Gales, was always there, thereabouts in Roscommon. When you know, he had the Gales up there. When you know, Pierce's were strong, Bridges were strong, Clan were strong, very, very strong, and uh, his teams were there or thereabouts, Aidan, and you know, in the final. You know, so he's very unlucky in, in two finals. That's it, and uh, we'd like to wish him all the best in in his new role as well. And uh, uh, we we have to pay a tribute on the the twentieth anniversary of of his passing. Uh, Mickey Kniff, what a hurler and a very good footballer. You know, a gentleman off the pitch, but what a man! What a man uh, on, on the pitch as well for Rhodes. Um, it's not it's not a worn out thing to say that he was a, he was a hurling legend. He he was a legend for four Rhodes and a legend for Roscommon. And um, you know, even even since he is you know he, he is sorely missed. Even after he you know he still had a lot to offer. He would have made a great coach. Um, you know, it's hard to believe he's gone. And uh, but it's nice to be able to pay a trip. To such a great man, isn't it? 
Absolutely, especially in the 20th anniversary of his passing. And remarkably, he he, um, he captained four roads to win the championship in 2002 as well. You know, his, 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 his passing and his... his um, he, he went very quick, as they say, you know. Um, and I suppose, looking back on Mickey Kniffhead, and um, he epitomised all that was good about Roscommon in, in the GA and Hurland in particular in four roles, a great club that he, he graced for many, many years. And Roscommon senior team, of course, in winning All-Ireland... Uh, championships with Roscommon you know in, in 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 the 90s 94 they won the All-Ireland B then they were they went toe to toe with Galway and a few of them kind of finals in the mid 90s as well and Mickey Mickey Kniff was as good as anybody playing at that time you know in the middle of the field I'd say none of the Galway boys ever bested them yet. and the senior Galway team you know they had tough battles with Roscommon in the mid 90s and Roscommon hurling was at a very high level when Mickey Kniff was playing for them and it's no coincidence that was when he was there Roscommon was strong um, very sad you know that he he, he left us at, at the age of 33 and uh, like as I said he epitomised everything that's good about Roscommon GA you know and I think Mickey Kniff and you just mentioned him there all that came into my head was Dermot Early you know and I, and I yeah. think of the same sort of characteristics same class talent dedication um, brilliance that they brought to their own game Aidan, you know, leadership and, skills as well yeah, what a leader yeah yeah, yeah. and it's nice that the cup is named after now Mickey Kniff but he's gone certainly not forgotten Aidan, and you always saw him playing there and, and his pit photographs look so well and uh, I suppose uh, um, you know the, 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 the years you know he, 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 we always remember him as, as a young man you know what I mean Aidan? the photographs will never age now uh, because of his early demise but he certainly Mickey Kniff, uh, you know, Lord of mercy on him. And uh, we remember him at this time of the year, Aidan, sad for his family, his friends, his teammates, and everybody that knew him. And I personally didn't know him, but I saw him playing, and I thought he was an amazing hurler. And he epitomised everything that was good about, about Roscommon. They had not, not just sport, but in every, every way, every facet of Roscommon life, Aidan. And uh, when I think of him, I think of Dermot Early, two great men, both left us early, at an early age. And Dermot, all right, left uh, a little bit older than Mickey but Lord of Mercy and, and Mickey and, and you know we, we, we think about it as, you know his family and his friends Aidan and his teammates and people that that, that are very um, you know it was it was um, you know it's, 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 it's sad that, that he, he went and left us at that age that's the way you know it just shows life is so precious Aidan you know and it, it, it puts it all in perspective that Mickey was just 33 and had a wonderful career packed an awful lot of furling into it in that time and uh, yeah it's lovely to remember him now Aidan this evening uh, on the 20th anniversary of his passing that's it and of course our, our thoughts are with his family at this time it's it's never easy on the on the anniversary and considering it's his 20, 20th anniversary but uh, I suppose from one from one hurling legend to another unfortunately the uh, another hurling legend uh, Johnny Hawhey passed away recently our thoughts our thoughts condolences and prayers are with his family at this time um, a fab, another fabulous horror there uh, a tribute there from Roscommon Hurling it's been it, it is with great sadness that we uh, that, that we learned yesterday of the death of at league at league hurling hurling and Roscommon GA stalwart um, Johnny Hawhey Johnny served as secretary of the Roscommon Hurling Board for 52 years and was a massive uh, part of the um, of hurling in the county for uh, for many years all the all the hurling community in Roscommon GA and the wider community offer their heartfelt sympathy uh, to his family friends and all who knew him and of course you know Arias Jeff Gerevan on him and uh, you know that that certainly sums up the man 
man, uh, a man that I had uh, the the honour of meeting once or twice. Of course, I know a few of the lads as well, some of the family as well. Uh, sorely missed. Um, what a legend! There's there's not more, really more you can say. He he served he served Roscommon Harlan well. Served uh, you know both locally and uh, you know with the county. And um, yeah, his, his thoughts. Uh, we're, we're our thoughts are with his family at this time. Absolutely, Ed, and Lord of mercy on, on Johnny Hawley. He was a legend. Uh, you know, there's no question about it. And it's very fitting that at league have had um, that lovely wood carving of Johnny Hawley in the middle of the town there, just as you go across the bridge before the bridge in, in before the river in, in at league before you get to the pitch. And uh, he was Mr. Roscommon Hurlem, wasn't he, Ed? And yeah. He, he was there in the in the glory days of Roscommon Hurland, you know, the 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 All Ireland winning team of nineteen sixty five when when Jerry O'Malley was playing, Brian Mitchell uh with the beat Warwickshire, Jerry O'Malley's only All Ireland medal. Um Henry Shefflin's father, would you believe, was playing for Warwickshire against Jerry O'Malley that day in nineteen sixty five. Then he was there Aiden in the seventies when, when, you know, Tremaine were were going strong winning Connor Club championships. He was there when four rows won Connor Club championships. Roscommon were playing Division Two senior hurling, beating Waterford, Dublin, you know, beating Wexford, running Cork close. Was coming at a very, very high level, Aidan. And, um, you know, Johnny Hawley and, you know, people like him. And I think Michael John Lane was another man, Aidan, wasn't he? Oh, was, brilliant was, man, was, a lovely was, man as well. I remember yeah, meeting, yeah. Yeah. And, like, like there's great men there, even now, Christian McDermott, what a gentleman as well, running hurling. But Johnny Hawley. His longevity, Aidan, and his service to Roscommon GA, just, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, it's, it's second to none. And he came from an era of some of the greatest administrators Roscommon ever had, you know, like the Dan O'Rourke's, um, Michael O'Callaghan, you know, like wonderful people, Michael John Lane and, and, and Johnny High. And those legends, they'll always be remembered, Aidan, in Roscommon, as the people that kept the, the flame alive when, when things were tough. And, and uh, I suppose Hurland was, as I said, Aidan, Roscommon had some great glory days when Johnny Hawley was there and he drove it on and, and I can tell you Aidan he wouldn't be there for 52 years if he wasn't such a, a great man you know and, and, and dedicated and uh, as you said you met him a couple of times I, I just knew of him I saw him in action I saw him at matches in that league and seemed like a lovely man Johnny Hawley and a uh, great man for, for uh, promotion of Hurland in, in, in Roscommon and uh, he'd, be, he'd be sorely missed by the people of that league Aidan and by his family and friends and uh, Again, arrest Jay Guru and Anam Gilish at Johnny Hoy, uh, one of the greats in, in, in Roscommon GA, no doubt about that. Definitely, and uh, our thoughts are with the family and condolences, and may he rest in peace. And uh, Lord of mercy on him. And I'm sure, look, no more, no more than Mickey, uh, no more than Mickey Kniff there for the last twenty years. I'm sure Michael ha- or Johnny Hahi will be uh, poking every ball and supporting ev- supporting uh, Roscommon teams, and indeed uh, four odds and at league teams uh, for for uh, the the remaining year for the years to come as well. So uh, yeah. I suppose moving back to uh, the I suppose more on the field matters um, huge a huge evening for uh, Roscommon football yesterday with regards to the the higher um, the higher education league final um, a number I suppose um, Davy Burke the Roscommon manager managed uh, managed Manute against um, against UCD in in that uh, in that final a number of uh, a number of uh, Oran lads were involved with um, with with Manute as well, but there's, there was some some players involved with uh, UCD as well. Uh, a great win for for Manute, and it's great to see a Roscommon contingent in, uh, involved in a level like this. And of course, it's not over yet. The Sigerson Cup is coming up after Christmas, and that's more uh, third level colleges to action to look forward to as well in the new year. 
Yeah, it's, it's good experience for those guys in playing at senior level in, in, in universities. Like Dara Walsh, I think, was one of them that was playing. At, uh, you know, just read the report. Dara from from uh, Orden, very good player. Played in the minor team last year. Shane, um, uh, or, or, or he wasn't. He was the brother of the minor team. But brother Collins and Shane, I think, as well. Um, you know, it's great to see Roscommon players playing at, at that level and all of the experience that you get at Sigerson level and university level and third level, no matter what, uh, if it's Ryan Cup, Trench Cup, um, you know, it's Sigerson Cup, they're all great experiences because you're playing as top, top opposition. And um, it's great for Davy Burke, obviously. He seems to have the Midas touch yet, and I hope that he continues that when he comes to Roscommon. But I have good faith and confidence in Davy Burke. I think he knows football inside out. I think he's got a great pedigree. And I think that if he if he, um, he he'll be determined to play positive football, and and and, and I, I I think it's very good to listen to what some of the stuff he had to say already that he wasn't coming in just thinking about keeping Roscommon in in Division One. He was talking about let's go out and making a making a uh, you know let's go and attack games you know and stuff like that and play on the front foot. So it's great he wants to get rid of Roscommon being a yo-yo team up and down. So he's positive. Uh, as, um, talk so far I think that can only be good and I think he's got ambition he's got a great record as I said with Wicklow Kildare under 21s uh, Sigerson Cup also with uh, Sarsfields and Kildare so let's hope Aidan that Davy Burke can can, um, can come in and he's, he's a great he's one of the he's probably the top young manager in Ireland at the moment I was going to get lucky to get a manager like Davy Burke yeah. um, with his pedigree I think he's 33 years of age or whatever it is a very young man um, we're already a lot of experience under his belt seems to know what he's doing knows what he's about has the know-how and, and, and he has the, the, the achievements to, to back it all up so, um, that's it and, and, yeah, and I think that um, that's, that's uh, you know hopefully that, that uh, Roscommon will will, will uh, I, I keep talking in about having a bit more you know belief and all that in themselves and, and I think Davy Burke will engender that um, and I spoke before on the show about about the new buzz of a word of, of, of uh, you know optimal mental intensity and, and, and concentration of focus and, and belief and all of that and I think that's an area that the top top teams are investing a lot in you know Limerick with Carlin Curd and all of that it's so massive and a lot of things a lot of sport aid in football is self-fulfilling prophecies you know if you believe you can you believe you can't it's it's a lot of that I think we in Wisconsin suffer a little bit from the belief factor and I, I and, and I say that from experience and I think that hopefully Davy Burke can come in and, and, and uh, drive the team on and drive the county on, you know. Yeah, that's it, because uh, hopefully we can turn the corner. And you see, you know, if he, he'll obviously be, um, I'm presuming, manager for uh, Maynooth, you know, when, when it comes to Sigurds and Cup and, and other things like that. So um, <clears throat> that'll be key for him, you know, when it comes to the county as well, because he'll be keeping an eye on uh, all the other Roscommon players that are playing for other colleges as well. So that'll be, uh, you know, he'll have first hand, he'll be seeing them obviously. You know, with uh, with Roscommon as well in training, but it, it, it'll be good to see them in Sigerson Cup action for their respective colleges, and he'll have that sort of in-depth knowledge because he's he's also managing the college, so that'll be that'll be good as well. Yep, absolutely. And, and like, look at look from Roscommon point of view, like Roscommon beat Galway twice last year. You know, this year um, in the league final and beat them in the league. I know that the weekend team in the league. But I think there's not an awful lot of difference between Roscommon and Galway. That's my own opinion. I yeah. think Shane Walsh, and I've said it on the show so many times, use Galway as the yard stick, and they're there or thereabouts at the minute. And Mayo. There's not a, Roscommon can beat Galway or Mayo on any given day, with yeah. the talent available in the county. And what I saw and you saw this year in Roscommon, 
there are some great talent. There's great footballers coming. Some of the best footballers, some of the best forwards in the game. You know, Donny Smith. Um, you know, on his day, is, is is up there with any of them. You know, he's, he's yeah. you know, any, for example, on any county team, midfield. If you could get all the players available that can play midfield for playing for Roscommon, you have a decent midfield. You know, you have Colum Compton there. You know, you have. I know, unfortunately, uh, Harney is going, Ulton Harney's going away now, but there's other players there as well that can come in. Aiden, like Keith Doyle, he has to be a man that hopefully Roscommon will, will um, bring on to midfield this year. Ben O'Carroll as well in the forwards, a big year. Hopefully for him, he's been, you know, shooting the lights out at, at club level in the championship and. Uh, Let's hope that he gets a run out of there. And Colin Neary, the, the Stokestown half-back, probably the footballer of the year in Roscommon this year. He's a big man of the match nearly in every game. And he was on the minor team last year. So there's lots of talent in Roscommon. And um, we're, 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 you know, we're as good as... I, I, I know it's all subjective in people's opinions, but I think on any, on a, on any given day, Roscommon can beat a Galway or Mayo. And I think the draw next year, I, I'm happy with it, Aidan. It's a tough draw. Why yeah. not? Play the, play the best teams. We did it in 2019 with Anthony Cunningham beat Galway, beat Mayo, and it's a great start and a great test for um, Davy Burke. And you know, then, the reason I say that is because a lot of times uh, teams come into a championship and say, "Oh, I've got a handy semi-final against Sligo or a handy semi-final against Leitrim," and like, you know, it's it's really, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna progress, you have to beat the beat the top teams all the time, you know, and and meet them and and, and beat them. And Roscommon have a great opportunity this year. Playing Galway and probably Mayo as well, you know what I mean. So um, let's hope that Davy Burke can bring 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 the belief, the the confidence back. And and, and and not we're not expecting them to win it, and I'm not expecting yeah. them to go and, and stay up in Division One or even win the Connacht Championship. All we want is the performance level yeah. that a team can be proud of and say this team is a plucky, game um, determined, uh, Roscommon team who don't fear anybody, take teams on. And at the same time, and then Davy Burke has said it. He says it's not all about attack. You have to, you have to be, you know, you have to transition to defence and defend as well. But it's getting the balance right between attack. That's it. And uh, between, I suppose, defending and attacking, and like when you're attacking, and you lose the ball, getting back as well, which is key. And that that'll be key. Uh, more so, I suppose, in, in the championship than the league. But uh, I suppose it's in the league is where where, where you kind of fine tune things as well. Well, that's. Okay, thanks very much, um, Ray, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Um, thanks very much. Um, we've come to the end of the show, and uh, we hope you uh, you hope you enjoy what we had on the show today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week. So, uh, if you're going to any of the games, I know St. Ronans are playing. Um, St. Ronans are playing Clifton, Clifton in.